Welcome to the Rooted in Change podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Jan and you're listening to the Rooted in Change podcast. This show features European clean tech champions and their solutions on how to tackle the climate crisis. Today, I'm joined by David, the founder and CEO of Cognition Cloud. Cognition Cloud applies circular economy principles to end-user computing. And we'll talk more about the challenges of IP infrastructure and how we can overcome them. Welcome, David. Thank you, Jan. Well, as with all other guests, why don't we start with you telling me a bit about yourself and your background. How did you end up founding Cognition Cloud? Yes, yeah, so um, I was born in the United States, but I've lived in the UK for quite a long time now. So I've pretty much lost my New York accent. <laughs> um, just about me personally, I've got a 19-year-old son. Uh, I'm married. Uh, my wife and I are celebrating our 30-year wedding anniversary next month. So that's... Wow, congratulations. That's a long time. Um, and... Um, I started Cognition Cloud um, with a with a former colleague um, a little over a year ago, and before that, um, I've worked for many years in in IT and business consultancy for large global businesses. And I mean, the reason we um, started Cognition Cloud was really to to work out how to help businesses and other organisations to reduce. The environmental impact from from IT. Um, I, I believe sustainability shouldn't come at the expense of performance or security. So we shouldn't have to be making uh, sacrifices in those areas. And and also that you know we should be able to align sustainability with profitability. So you know being being greener uh, shouldn't cost you. And in fact, if you're if you're reducing waste, you should be saving money. Well, yeah, there's a lot already to unpack there. So let's jump right into, well, you said basically the that Cognition Cloud focuses on making IT more sustainable. So maybe let's look at why is it that IT is not sustainable right now? Or sort of what are the issues with IT? So the issues that people tend to focus on are... Um, energy and uh, data centers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, those are the ones that you read about in the media as well, right? Yeah, uh, and, and we see data centers because they're great big mammoth things and they use a lot of energy. Uh, I mean, if we look at accessing... And the growth photo opportunities as well. So yeah, you great see those. opportunities. Um, but, but actually, in terms of energy, about half of uh, energy use from, um, from the internet is actually from end-user devices and in terms of the carbon footprint of that energy and using those devices that's probably only about sort of 15 to 20 percent of the carbon footprint that those devices create because mm -hmm. the, the biggest impact is from the actual production of those devices so manufacture transport logistics uh, tends to make up about 80 percent or so of the um carbon footprint of, a, of an end-user device. Uh, and in addition, just to sort of greenhouse gas emissions, they're, they're massively, you know, resource intensive in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, sourcing all the materials that go into the components and that sort of thing. So that's that's where we like to focus is, okay, how can we, how can we get organizations to 
use these devices for for longer um and how can we introduce some some circularity into that to um get get more out of these um resources that have been put into these you know to making these devices so you're really also tackling an an overlooked problem here right because as you said in in, in the beginning of your previous answer sort of the public discourse focuses a lot on data centers because it's easy to understand it's a single point they consume a lot of energy but if we want to make it really sustainable we also need to look at the sort of on the end device level and how to combat not just only energy usage but really also the uh, yeah literally the, the materials that go into the devices is sort of how to reduce yeah. the number of devices ultimately i would assume that's that's it and and really if we want to reduce our carbon footprint from the energy use of devices um ultimately the answer is you know we we decarbonize our energy sources we use more renewable energy um so if we're you know if we're using microsoft's data center in in sweden for example in central sweden that that is actually a facility that is powered on hydroelectricity hmm. So you could argue that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how inefficient we are, how much electricity we we use, because it's it's green and it's you know it's carbon free from that perspective. Right. And before we move on, just another question on that particular aspect: Would you say that data centers have been the focal point of attention just because it's much easier to sort of? look at the large scale issue trying to solve that and say you know even i think there's a number of data centers that offset now their emissions saying well the uh, this data center now is also carbon neutral at least mm-hmm. instead of focusing on the nitty-gritty part of looking on a more granular level and trying to achieve change there yeah it's a good question i don't really know what the answer is and why that tends to be the focus. But I mean, if you look at end user computing, you know, there's some there's something like 4.6 billion computer users globally. Yeah. And that that's driving, you know, 460 million devices to be manufactured every year. You know, wow. these are really big numbers. Yeah. And if you think that a single laptop is responsible for generating something like 300 and 300 kilograms of carbon dioxide and it uses something like 190,000 liters of water to source all the components that go into a single computer then you know it, it it doesn't take that long to figure out this is this is an area where it's having an impact and we you know we need to do something different yeah massively i guess that's exactly sort of where i was trying to get it with the, with the question to say from an you know from a media and being a PR professional uh, media attention point of view it's easy to focus on the one two big data centers where it can explain energy consumption and change but looking at a device level again makes the story a lot more convoluted because i can't really see the emissions you know it, it out of sense blurs the lines mm-hmm. between where do the emissions really occur you just said usages uh, i think you said 20% so 80% happens during manufacturing. It's not just yeah. the actual energy consumption. It's really what goes into making the real product. So the story just becomes a lot more complex. And thus, uh, generally, our attention, well, is is less focused on a complex 
massive issue rather than trying to focus on the one that we're that's easy to understand as you pointed out a data center for example in the middle of sweden well i get that you know like it's an easy example and i can understand the impact of operations there so interesting to see how attention spans work there yeah yeah definitely um it's a it, it it's an interesting one and i'm not saying data centers aren't important and i'm not saying we shouldn't be more efficient and we shouldn't be conscious of these things but it does um it does seem to draw attention away from where the biggest impacts are and i think we are you know we've kind of become a, a addicted a little bit to consumption and we've got used to you know replacing our phones every few years and going for the next model of whatever it is and and, and that's the kind of behavior that really is having an, an impact and you know they make these devices are more and more difficult to repair um and you know we're driven more and more to 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 buy new ones which you know it doesn't it doesn't make sense for for us we're we're buying you know we're buying these things and as soon as we you know it's like a car as soon as you buy it it's it's decreasing in value um we're replacing them all the time even though they're still perfectly usable so from a from a environmental perspective it's you know it's a disaster but economically for us it it makes no sense either to behave that way right yeah that's a really good point as well so maybe this is now the the perfect time that we've uh, explained the the issue well i think where does cognition cloud come in what's your solution to that massive problem so uh there's there's three main things we do to reduce the impact from from IC, it systems so The first is to to reduce this consumption of purchase of new devices. Um, we also do work on the energy consumption of these devices, and we can impact that. And then, as much as possible, because we're we're using uh, and leveraging cloud systems, we're we're looking to source energy from renewable sources or data center locations that are using renewable sources. Right. So walk me through how that works in in practice then. So yeah. in a say me at life size, mm -hmm. I have a a computer, a laptop computer. How would you make that one more sustainable so I wouldn't be forced slash incentivized to buy a new one in the near future, but can yeah, what, great, uh, great reduce question. that yeah. purchase? So often when computers start to run slow and present issues that lead them to being replaced, more often than not, it's the operating system that's the root of the problem. So what, what we do is we replace the native operating system with a lightweight alternative that has no other functionality other than to access a, a cloud-based workspace. So it, it's It just accesses the internet effectively. And so with this alternative operating system, your device is working less hard, so it's going to use at least 20% less power. But more importantly, um, you know, you can it, you're not going to have the issues where this starts to run slow or become a security risk. So it can be kept generally for twice its normal life, so it doesn't need to be replaced. And then we can do things to keep them going longer, like providing you know repairs when needed. So if something needs a new 
battery or something's got something, you know, a, a, a damaged screen or keyboard, then that's something that tends to be a, a simple repair uh, that we can, you know, carry out to keep things keep things going. Once you've got this lightweight operating system, we, we use that to um, to connect that to a, a cloud-based um, computer. Uh, by default, we provide a, a Microsoft Azure virtual desktop. It's a Microsoft product. Uh, we can also do this with Google Workspaces if, if a customer prefers. Um, and, you know, I mentioned, you know, Sweden, I think where, wherever we can, you know, we'd host these um we we host these services in places like that where they're they're using renewables so you know you're not getting that impact so you know it does kind of depend where the customer is based but from the uk for example um we're, we're testing at the moment you know accessing um computers in sweden and you know that seems you know performance wise um seems just like accessing them in the uk so why why not do that yeah that's a really good point and just a follow-up question on the example that you gave is that sort of similar to what i guess a lot of consumers have experienced with their phones that after a while for example updates are not being installed anymore due to for example memory or uh, as you said the operating system just not uh, supporting the the hardware of the device so what you're sort of trying to do you, if I understood you It's correctly. exactly what, what... like that. So if we look at like Windows 10 as an example, um, that is due to go out of support soon. And there's something like 43 million devices or something like that, Windows 10 devices, that the hardware won't support moving to Windows 11. Right. So if the operating system goes out of life and security updates, aren't provided anymore, then the reflex will be just to dispose of those devices. Um, Because as a consumer or sort of in a professional environment, a user, you don't want to be exposed to security risks or saying, "Hmm, if I don't get the updates anymore, or if I can't use the latest software that you need to use for my day-to-day job, well, then I need to buy a new device. Precisely, yes. Um, and, And, you know, it is, from a security point of view, it is really important to keep... Uh, these systems up to date, you know, that, you know, Microsoft or uh, Apple will release uh, security patches on a, on a regular basis. And, you know, if, if you don't install those, you're creating a, a vulnerability, but the al- alternative operating system we put in is, is locked down. It's a, it's a stateless machine. So there's no, st- nothing stored on there. So from like a ransomware point of view, there's nothing to hack into. So it's, it's inherently more secure, right. and then on the on the Microsoft side, we manage that. So we've just we've just run an automation that checks every couple of weeks whether there have been security updates, and we automatically install those security updates uh, on you know using using an automation. So from a from a customer perspective you don't even need to worry about security patches that's something that we include in our service which i guess is the preferred way of working for a lot of customers that they don't need to worry about sort of it security that's just part of the package exactly in the beginning you said that you had a really long track record in it and working in it systems so i was just wondering how did you 
actually come up with the idea for Cognition Cloud and sort of what made you, yeah, made you made you implement that change or start that business? Uh, I, I guess it was, you know, I'd spent all these years working in IT and never had any idea about the kind of environmental impact um, that it had. And, you know, while I was just like, well, IT, you know, is going to be good for the planet because, of course, you know, we're, we're stopping people from traveling, um, uh, you know, on business trips because we can, you know, we can get people in the room on a on a Zoom call or, you know, using some other kind of meeting technology or we're reducing commuting by, you know, allowing remote working and all that, all that's true. Um, but when I started to become aware of the resource cost of producing new devices uh, and learned how many of these resources were being wasted, I thought, well, A, there's a business opportunity here, but also there really is a chance to do something that can, you know, that can make a difference. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, the way you just described it also earlier for me, uh, it's, and, you know, we discussed that as le at length. It seems to be such an overlooked problem. So I really think that you're that you're onto something there with just the massive scale of the issue that you're trying to solve. Which brings me actually to my next question. You you said you know your customers. Um, so is that a service that you're offering that's for everyone, or sort of who are your target audiences? Who are you selling your services to? So I, I guess there's kind of two strands to it. Um, there's a there's a managed uh, service element to it so we can provide this to um it's a business to business offer so we can provide this to companies as a bundled managed service so we we basically take care of everything um for a um monthly per computer sort of subscription type cost uh, or alternatively um we operate a kind of consulting model so you know, if a company has their own in-house IT that want to um, run this, uh, they can we can we can put together a program and hand that over to them, um, and we can work with other um, IT IT service companies, uh, managed service providers, uh, system integrators to um, you know to provide this as a service for them. This is our kind of focus and and what we do. Um, so we, a we know the technology inside of out, inside and out, but also, you know, we we kind of understand things like you know greenhouse gas protocol and um, sustainability reporting and some of the sustainability legislation, which IT companies um, it's not their it's not their prime focus, so they tend they tend not to understand it as much. So we can we can help them with this as well. Yeah, my, my next question would actually be sort of a follow-up on that. Why do you think that is? I mean, sort of the circular economy is such a big theme nowadays, but especially in IT, it doesn't really have to have a place yet. From what you also described earlier, you know, with new device generations coming up and so on, it seems like there we're actually pushing very much towards the other end of the spectrum of, we need people are incentivized to buy devices all the time, or consumers actually left with um, a twofold negative choice in a way that, well, either you're sustainable but then exposed to security risks, or 
well, if you're if you care about the IT security, then you're forced to to buy a new device uh, every well two to three years, um, or even performance issues and so on. So why is that big theme of sustainability not as implemented yet in IT as it is in other sectors? Do you think? So I think there is a, an element of inertia um, where you know companies do what they've always done in terms of you know replacement cycles for equipment and what works. Um, but there are also kind of you know incentives. So a lot of the larger IT providers are also IT resellers for equipment manufacturers, and they have an incentive for us to use equipment for um, probably as short a time as possible and to replace it because they can generate revenue from uh, replacing it, um, both from the sale of the equipment uh, and um, the, you know, the implementation and the integration of that equipment. So the, you know, um, there, there's an economic model there that probably needs to change um, before we get a lot of um, IT partners really on board. Yeah, again, I guess the challenge is big, but you're you're tackling the big problem. And I like sort of how you phrased it uh, to say the the business model of maybe incumbents is exactly that. You know, for them, it's very beneficial to sell more and more devices uh, instead of really focusing on the sustainability. But I'm really glad that you're looking at it from a sustainable point of view and really bringing more sustainability into that sector. Yeah, and and there is an awareness problem. Um, you know, there's there's me, and there's a few other voices that are kind of talking about this. But um, you know, we we haven't yet been heard by that many people. I don't think so. Um, you know, we're trying to get the message out there, and we're trying to raise awareness. And you know, yes, we're running a business, and and we want to do this. But we, you know, we've also got. Um, a broader objective of kind of decarbonizing uh, IT and and about reducing the impact. So, you know, the more the more companies that we can get on board with this, the better. And I guess that podcast is also uh, part of that wider education. At least you've succeeded with one person already today. That's me. Uh, ah, I'm hoping well, that's our listeners, <laughs> and I'm hoping our listeners are now also aware of uh, the scale of this and might rethink their next uh, purchase or at least try to look at how to well how to bring about more sustainability in their uh, it choices that being yeah. said is there is there anything that you would recommend sort of on a personal level i mean i think we looked at it from an institutional point of view if you're sort of in a work context i think now it's clear what what can be done but how would you go about if you were an end consumer how would you try to achieve a more sustainable device use? So I, I, I guess, you know, if you look at phones, uh, for example, um, if you can start when you purchase a phone, purchase one that can be repaired and, and upgraded. Um, and even if you don't, um, you know, try to develop some skills uh for, for keeping that going so you know I've got I've got an iPhone that I've replaced you know the the charging port the screen the battery and you know all sorts of other things on it's not an easy um, repair 
Um, uh, but it is, you know, it is a sort of thing that's that's doable. Uh, computers are easy, are easier. Um, I've got um, I've got a MacBook that's been going since 2013, um, and you know, again, if the operating system upgrades aren't supported anymore, and the operating system that's on there isn't anymore, you know, you can individuals can change that and they can use, you know, they could use a Google Chrome operating system or they could use, you know, a Linux operating system, both of which can be, you know, available free of charge. So, you know, you, there is a, a big cost savings here, but, you know, most people are using the computers now for accessing the internet and for accessing services on the internet. So, you know, you shouldn't need to have, you know, a lot of heavy duty stuff unless you're doing video editing or gaming and even gaming now can be, you know, streamed online. So, you know, the, there isn't, there isn't a need for people need a lot less computing power than they think they do. I think that's a really good insight. Uh, and thanks for also for providing the, the advice on how individuals can make that change. And now that you've said it, I actually know of, one or two devices that I'm going to apply that knowledge to, I guess, as with everyone. Uh, and, and the other thing is kind of repurposing things. So, you know, um, a, a, a smartphone generally has got a great camera on it. You know, you can use that camera as a, as a webcam on your computer. You can put it on a little stand. You can put a bit of an application on that. And then you can, you know, you can give it a, a second life to do, to do something else. Yeah. Again, really good point because i guess every one of us has this one or two these one or two old devices at home probably because we've been inclined and incentivized in the past to uh, make those purchases that you've uh, described before and now really uh, as you just said maybe i guess we heavily overestimate how much computing power we nowadays need especially for the applications that we tend to use now in 2023 yeah I mean, we still need the computing power, but we're getting, we can get that computing power in the cloud, whether we're, you know, whether yeah. we're a business or an individual. And that gives us the flexibility to scale it up and scale it down, you know, as, as we need. Um, if you've got it on your physical machine, then, you know, it's, it is what it is. And it's very difficult to upgrade and down that grade that um, without a big, you know, operation of taking things apart and buying things and et cetera, et cetera. Right, yeah. And maybe just to round us off there, I started reading a book um, over the last couple of days and the authors, so the book is, I think, from the it's from the 90s and the authors tried to explain in the beginning of the book of how much data they looked at. Yeah. Um, and the, the authors write, well, the file sizes were 20 megabyte of data, which left me a bit baffled in looking back. I mean, 20 megabytes in uh, in the 90s was a lot. I remember that from my very early days with computers. But if you look at properly at your phone and sort of the resolution uh, of pictures nowadays, uh, every single picture, I guess, has at least a size of 45 megabytes. So yeah, the authors that by now 30 years ago described a vast amount of data for what really was a vast amount of data for them and using that file size, that would only be four images today. And that really left me uh, smiling there just to see how 
uh, IT also has changed over the 30 years, but also sort of what we can do to potentially minimize our impact. I think your insights here were really helpful. Great, thanks. Towards the end of our conversation, um, sort of, uh, I, I want to know a bit more what drives you personally. I mean, you, you've now explained the journey from where you were before to where you're now, but what makes you get up in the morning? Sort of what makes you want to tackle the this IT issue, that IT sustainability issue that we're facing? Yeah, so in terms of in terms of getting up in the morning, it's it's you know being able to kind of get get this message out. And it's the idea that if I can get this message out and you know speak to someone like yourself, Jan, then you know, and people can understand this, then we can start to, you know, slowly and incrementally make a make a difference. Um so I mean I spent I spent a lot of years um working for large companies that were probably damaging uh, the environment in um in a lot of ways so um i'm i'm trying to atone for some of my past sins i guess as well right and i guess it's at the same time that's just how it is as also awareness has increased over the last years and obviously the topic of sustainability has become a lot more prevalent than it was probably years ago yes indeed And I've just shared my piece of IT inspiration recently. So is there one thing that inspired you recently or is that something that uh, you would want to share with our listeners? If, uh, yeah, maybe one thing that helped you on your entrepreneurial journey. Um, I mean, it is. It, it, it can be easy to feel a little bit depressed about the state of the world with with what's happening can with, be. Climate, yeah. you know, with climate change and, you know, biodiversity loss and, and all that. But when you see some of the other, you know, innovative work that people are doing to make a difference, that, that is um, really inspiring. Um, I, I've also been looking, um, I've been researching a lot around sort of circular economy because I suppose I'm always, always learning. So I think, um, Ellen MacArthur Foundation, for example, for me is a is a constant source of of inspiration and of um yeah, that's a great tip. Yeah. And is there someone else in particular that you would want to mention? Uh, as you just said, you know, others that uh, keep building great businesses or sort of are change makers in their industries or in their areas. There's almost too many to mention. Uh, so right. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it's. I think what you just said uh, is a feeling that is probably shared by many in the clean tech sector, that the amount of news that seems to be dooming and looming is so much. And then at the same time, we need, also need to look at people really driving change and, well, making the world a, a better place, um, even if it's just device by device, but that really makes a difference ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. Well, David, it was lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for all your insights and especially the actionable tips of how we on a personal level can change our IT footprint and make our IT habits more sustainable and greener. 
Well, thanks so much, Jan, for inviting me on the podcast. Uh, really a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. <laughs> speak soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you.